Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Knight Gamble, your host for The Leading Edge, Women Pushing Boundaries in Life, Adventure, and Leadership. Our topic today is Leadership with Justine Whipple. Justine graduated from the Naval Academy and served 11 years in the Marine Corps before deciding to transition into leadership consulting. Now she's studying to become a physician's assistant and working with Marine Special Operations as a reservist. She's raced triathlons at a pro level, guided Fortune 500 companies on major initiatives, and enjoys exploring the mountains in any medium with her husband. Today, I'm particularly excited to dig into Justine's perspective on navigating power dynamics and fast-paced organizations and staying true to personal goals. Good morning, Justine. Welcome. Hey, good morning, Nice. Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity this morning to chat with the team. Absolutely. Excited to hear all of the things we'll talk about today. So to start out, what should our listeners know about you? Well, it's a tough place to start, um, but I would say that <laughs> passion, <laughs> passion um, in everything that I do is, is probably my, my tagline. And no matter what I'm doing at that moment, I've got my heart into it. I have had an incredible opportunity through both my personal and professional career uh, to learn so much from people, and I think that that is where uh, all of all of my opportunities have come from. Um, great conversations. I am I have a quest and a thirst for knowledge. Um, I'm always trying to learn something new and uh, put myself up to some new challenge. So whether it's physical and it's out on the, the rock and trying to climb up something that's beyond my capability, or it's in uh, a corporate setting where I have an opportunity to work with elite professionals. Um, I really enjoy and thrive off the energy um, and folks that are um, impressive in, in all of their worlds, um, in all of their aspects. So I think those are kind of like the, the baseline for me today. I love it, putting passion into everything you do. And I'm curious what happens if, if you find yourself in a situation, an opportunity, a place where you're not passionate, do you stay there? Do you find passion? Do you move somewhere else? What, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I think that in my life I've had some things that I've, um, I've found passion in at the start, and then as time moves on, you know, I realized that I was ready for something new, which is probably indicative of my career path as well. Uh, I would say that I'm always going to give something a first and a second and oftentimes a third chance because I think that surface level, you don't always see everything that there is. And if you dismiss something quickly and you don't feel passionate about it, probably haven't given it a fair start. So I, I really would say that I, I, there are certain things that I'm just passionate about inherently, but even when there's something that is presented to me that I may not love right at the beginning, 
uh, I usually give it a chance and I really try to dig in and learn more about what it is um, that I am trying to pursue. So I think in terms of passion, I think you can find passion. And then I also think that, like you said, some things can become a little bit more mundane and, and not dismiss it too early, but I think there's so many things in this world to do and see uh, that it's silly to, to stick on something that is just mundane for you or has lost its, uh, the spark. So we have two life rules here. Always be passionate about what you do, and when you're not, give it a first, second, and maybe a third chance before you cut it out. Uh, speaking of first, second, and third chances, you went Marine Corps out of the Naval Academy. Not the easiest route. What was that about? Yeah, so I think it's interesting just to maybe set the scene with why I even went to the Naval Academy, mm. not having uh, anybody, you know, in my family, had never served before. And I, and I realized pretty quickly when I had an opportunity to go visit the Naval Academy in Annapolis, there was something different about that environment. Uh, and I will say when you talk about passion, that feeling of standing um, amongst, you know, oftentimes we'll call them giants, but people that are larger than life because they've either passed on or sacrificed, uh, I certainly got that, that fire started burning in me. And so I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to attend a service academy like I said, despite the fact that I hadn't had any family that had really served before me. Uh, and I think that passion for leading people and understanding people and challenging myself to look at problem sets from different aspects uh, is what led me directly to the Marine Corps. I had originally thought that the Navy and explosive ordnance disposal was going to be my, my pursuit in life. But I was quickly swayed by a number of different Marine Corps officers because when they spoke about leading the men and women that they had, whether it was in combat or out of combat, there was something particularly special about the way that those leaders cared for and pushed uh, the individuals under their charge and as well as, like, learning from their peers. And I found that that um, passion for leading people in that gritty sense was something that drew me in pretty quickly. And I, I knew that no matter what they were doing, I wanted to be around folks that were going to have that same mindset. So it was actually a pretty easy decision after a lot of journey and a lot of exploration. And, uh, and landing in the Marine Corps definitely seemed to be where I fit best. I like my feet on the ground, so that's also helpful uh, that I haven't had to serve on a ship. But, um, but for sure, maybe gritty both in living and, and eating on the dirt and also um, kind of the perseverance that I've had to have to get through and be successful in the Marine Corps. Uh, the through line of passion is, is wonderful. Um, and you've done a lot of different and really difficult things. So you did Marine Corps, you did Naval Academy, you did Marine Corps. You went into heavy-hitting leadership consulting with Fortune 500 companies uh, and now you're both doing Marine Corps Special Operations and pursuing a medical career. Um, what, what can you share about that journey for you? So I think, you know, if you look at it at a surface level, it may seem that they're very distinctly different opportunities and that I'm making major leaps. But in my mind and the way that I see it is I actually think they're very much integrated 
And, you know, my, my time in the Marine Corps was getting my feet underneath me. And one of the things I certainly appreciate the most about that time was uh, really getting to be a practitioner. You, know, you, you either fail or you succeed, but you have that opportunity um, to do that. And then I also, as a logistician in the Marine Corps, was challenged to solve problems in different and creative ways. And as my maturity and my experience grew, I also gained that autonomy to lead um, and then become more of a subject matter expertise in that area. Um, and so the transition and progression into leadership consulting and management consulting with the McChrystal Group was really quite a natural progression, although I will say a whole new set of things to learn. Um, working in an environment, in a military environment, was pretty different than working in a corporate environment. And um, I went from being one of the folks in the room that had a decent amount and a depth of knowledge to being one of the folks in the room that really didn't understand the first thing about, you know, you know for instance, chemical engineering. Uh, and so having that influence and the ability to help leaders think in different ways really forced me out of my comfort zone and made me revert to a lot of those skills I had learned right at the beginning of the Marine Corps. Uh, and sometimes you take a, some of those skills for granted because they're just inherent for us to go back to as a comfort. Um, but I definitely played upon a lot of those basic things about understanding what the needs of the people are, um, helping somebody understand that there are different perspectives to something and that not just it won't just benefit them, it actually benefits you as a leader. Uh, and in both of those, I had a chance to be exposed to some of the medical communities, so whether it was in the capacity of um, medics that serve in the military and are, you know, are side by side. We have a lot of Navy corpsmen um, and, you know, independent um, corpsmen that, like, and doctors. I was really interested in some of the combat medicine that I got to see and experience. And then you could transfer that into, you know, when I had a chance to see and work with some of the healthcare agencies out in the corporate world, I got to see it from a very different perspective and a different angle. And I would say that my passion for medicine has really always remained because I think it comes from the care for others, uh, and which is why I connected directly to being a Marine, is caring and taking care of others in whatever capacity that you can. Um, I think, like I said, the medicine is very specific, whereas leadership is a little bit more abstract in, in some of the ways that you would do something. But for me, I hope that all of my experiences, both in the Marine Corps, in the corporate world, uh, and now transferring this into the medical world, will help me have a situational awareness um, and ability to connect with people and think about things on a large scale um, rather than being super subjective. I love it. You mentioned caring for and pushing people as what drew you into the Marine Corps, and, and there's a through line of caring for leaders and consulting and now caring for uh, people as you do medicine. Um, what advice do you have? Uh, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are explicitly or maybe just dabbling with and thinking about career changes, taking on new steps, uh, maybe even big leaps like it seems like you've done. What advice do you have for those people? I think, you know, my advice is always think through things, have a plan, and then go. Um, you know, all too often there's, we, we fall into this cycle that's comfortable 
And I certainly found that I had that a little bit in the Marine Corps at one point. And it felt like I can be successful here. I can do this. Um, but is this truly what I'm passionate about? And I'm not recommending just making that leap of faith blindly and saying, I love to go do this, so I'm, you know, I'm going to go do this. But I think if you have a plan in place, and I always keep different optionalities open, I would say go for it. Because life is far too short to be doing something um, that you're not, that you don't have a little fire for. And, and that's something that I, and I've seen it in, in Unite, the opportunity to work with you and your team. Um, and several others that have either started their own businesses or maybe they don't, you know, have a, a knack for entrepreneurship, but they really want to go into something new. I very, very rarely have ever heard somebody say, man, I regret changing my, my decision or, or going back to school or starting a business. Um, so for me, I think it's using those strengths that you have in whatever you're doing at the moment um, and then pulling those over translating those and applying them to whatever you whatever is kind of making your heart burn um, and for fire and that ha- brings out that passion because I firmly believe that you can transfer all those skills and as we know I mean whether it's a specialty in, in a corporate or it's in a classroom things are becoming more and more similar now uh, and and people skills or something that's really challenging um, for some folks. And I think that you can apply those same skills across the board. I love that idea of, I think a big thing that makes people afraid of taking those big leaps is feeling uh, not confident. You know, your, your image of being on top of the world as a Marine Corps officer and then going to management consulting where you don't know anything about biochem, which I'm surprised by. I thought you were an expert there, but um you know, that's scary, but you have all those strengths in that foundation. And, and I think we forget often that we have a lot of strengths built up. We just discount that. Yeah, Knight, I think that's a good point. And I think that this is where we're very hesitant to ask questions for fear that somebody is going to think that we don't know. But we forget that people don't expect you to know or have all those answers, specifically if you're not well-versed in something. And 99% of people, if you ask them about what they do and they're passionate or they're, they consider themselves an expert, they're excited to tell you and share with you. So the best thing that you can do is ask a lot of questions. And it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not going to look, you know, like you're a weak person or that you haven't got all the answers. In fact, it gives you an opportunity to connect with that person and build your awareness as well as give them an opportunity to kind of show off what they know. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit here because we're going to move into gender and leadership. And I think, unfortunately, that may be more true for men than women. Uh, if a man asks a question and it looks like I'm curious and want to know my followers more, and if a woman asks a question, sometimes people think, oh, she must not know it, what, what's going on or be able to hack this leadership position. Uh, what, if anything, was different for you as you were leading Marines as a woman? Yeah, and I certainly think that that's a valid point. The uh, I have experienced that in my career, for sure, both, I think, in the Marine Corps and outside of the Marine Corps, where a question could be misperceived as uh, a lack of knowledge or a 
um, you know, an, an unsureness. And so I think the way that you navigate that is something you have to be very careful about. And the one thing that I have found is building the alliances within an organization that will help back you. Much easier said than done um, because generally you need to have a relationship or some pre-existing um, credibility within that organization before you start asking those questions or before um, you build that alliance. And so, like I said, I've certainly tripped up on this a couple of times, and I, I retrospectively looked at things and thought, oh, I could have done that a little bit better, or I was asking a question to help other people understand, and in fact, it got turned, and folks actually thought I was the one that, that lacked the knowledge. Um, so. I have found that building alliances, and, and this is unfortunately true, but with men and women, um, but that have credibility there in whatever organization you're working with and helping them understand in a one-on-one in a -on -one setting where they get to know you better, they get to understand that you have all of these skill sets and you have all this knowledge, but more specifically, um, you can come to the table and ask intelligent questions. So. There's, I would say there's two techniques with this, is having a, a, an informed question where you've done enough research to know what the correct question to ask is, because that can oftentimes be a challenge. And then second off is working with, like I said, those, those men that have a little bit more clout in an organization. And often the time that takes a little bit of time, but I felt the more and more that I was able to have um, either one-on-one -on -one or small conversations and relationships where folks could understand, this is what I bring to the table, um, but I need you to help me understand how you come to the table, and I need to get this information from you um, so that I can make an informed recommendation. So in, in the consulting world, that certainly stands true, or in the military world, it would be, um, let me help you understand from my perspective, well, I respect your opinion. I need to ask you some questions so that I can better make um, a decision. And so it is a, it's a touch-and-go thing, and unfortunately that bias is certainly there. And I, I, you know, I, I want to believe that it's going away, but informed questions and alliances are certainly a helpful tool for me. I think those are two very useful tools in informed questions. I mean, I wish everybody would ask more of those, myself included sometimes. It's just refreshing to know that people have thought through and are still curious about the thing. Uh, you recently got back from a deployment in Iraq in support of Syria, and you were on a male-dominated staff, but it sounds like you had a really good experience. And I'm curious what tips you have for other women in similar uh, male-dominated leadership teams to thrive in that situation? Yeah, um, I, you know, back to the point where I said it takes some time to build those relationships. I was very privileged in the fact that uh, I was actually specifically asked by a former boss who I'd built a relationship with to come back. And I knew he had a lot of respect within the community. And then also several of the other men um, on the staff also I'd had either working relationships with prior. Um, and that can either set you up for success or it can set you up for a tough time because, you know, if somebody already has a formed opinion of you, it's really hard to change that. I was incredibly fortunate on this last team, um, and I, 
I think it was out of all the teams I've had a chance to work with, the hands down the best and the most informed team. And it wasn't that they were the most brilliant tacticians or that they are the most emotionally intelligent individuals. But what I really appreciated about the team that I got to work with, and I think this is a message for both men and women, is um, number one, we actually had a number of women in, in roles in that team as well, but more, maybe not subordinate, but tiers below that C level or above that or below that command level. Um, I would say the women working together and supporting one another is absolutely critical. And that may seem strange to talk about when we're talking about the way I interacted with men, but the more that you can listen and support one another, um, that way you're showing strength and you're not showing these holes where men will find um, unintentionally often an opportunity to either take advantage or to cast blame. Because if you've already created a weak spot um, by exposing these, we'll call them petty differences, or that they know that you've got a lot of competition amongst the women in a very male-dominated environment, um, that, you know, people just naturally do that. And whether it was it, the roles were, were reversed, it may actually stand true as well, where you know, you know that this is an easy way to manipulate something in your favor, so you just take advantage of it. Um, because what I've found is most oftentimes folks don't do it very deliberately. They do it more um, as, as they're comfortable. And so this kind of plays into that whole piece with the men um, that I had a chance to work with, which very, like, you know, very alpha, um, very much wanting to be in charge, wanting to lead, wanting to make decisions. And so the ability to allow them to look at things from a different perspective took a number of different techniques for me. Um, and the number one thing I think I've learned through all of this is you, you don't want to be the one sitting in the middle of a meeting with 10 people um, and just blatantly saying you're wrong um, or taking away something that they've, they've stated something as a fact uh, or have expressed an opinion. That is not the time to say, nope, I, I disagree with that, that's wrong. There may be a time and a place for that, but oftentimes it doesn't lead to a fruitful outcome. And so what I found is that having these conversations in a very open way of this is what I perceive um, about what you are recommending or this is how I see something or I understand that you might have this recommendation, but I'm looking at it from this point standpoint. And I think we could actually have a, a better outcome if we just did it, look at it from a different way. Um, and I felt like having those conversations in smaller groups, which, you know, you have to kind of feel like the time of the day matters, the, um, you know, what's ever been going on in the last 24 hours that might impact the way somebody reacts. But opening yourself up um, and having a conversation where you're showing your expertise, you're in a smaller environment, so you're not challenging an ego that might easily be, like, and I'll say it, sometimes guys have a very fragile ego, right? Um, and women right. do too, so it's certainly not uh, exclusive to men. But as soon as you've challenged that in front of a group, you're really not going to be successful. Um, and I have found that having these conversations beyond um, that 
setting has enabled me to change people's perspectives. And then, you know, just as an anecdote, I did. I, we had an incident where um, I disagreed with something, and I expressed that, you know, after we had a, a sit-down. And in, impressively enough, um, the first comment that, was, that I received back was, I don't know about that. And it was, it was kind of an abrupt, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're right, or um, I disagree with that. But then through a little bit of time, the next day, I had a conversation with the same person who said, you know, actually, I think you're right. I think you have a lot. I think there's a lot of validity in that. And I actually really appreciate the fact that we're able to have that conversation. Um, and to me, that is like the definition of success in a, in a conversation, in a relationship, because, you know, you're going to have your bias, you're going to have your opinions, which is absolutely fine. Um, but being able to go back and giving people and being patient with people, I think, you know, from our side of the standpoint, if you're the one that you feel is getting targeted or you feel like your voice isn't being heard, sometimes a little bit of patience will help that as well. Uh, a lot of ego management and intention. Uh, I love thinking about the time of day and what's going on. Uh, we are going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about unique strengths of women as leaders. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good, and they're working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And now, Knight, back to your show. Welcome back to Leading on the Edge with our guest, Justine Whipple. And I cannot believe how fast half an hour goes. Uh, Justine, do you think, in general, women have unique strengths as leaders? 100% yes. <laughs> Women, um, women think differently. We have different experiences. And, you know, every woman is different. So one of the things I, I don't like is lumping all women in together. But I think that every woman has a unique capability. And whether that's an emotional intelligence that's really in tune with what's going on in an environment um, or that's a super savvy sense of um, accounting or numbers, their women definitely think differently. And, you know, on multiple occasions, I've had a chance to, to talk to men that I really respect who say, wow, you, you as women, when we have a, a woman that we respect in the room, you just up the level of expectation um, significantly, where they say we, we actually behave differently when a woman is in the room. Or we, we think a little bit more before we say something uh, when a woman is in the room. Or, hey, that's a, that thought that you had, you know, I sort of, I maybe had like the beginnings of that in my head, um, but you actually brought it to fruition. And that's what I think is amazing about men and women working together because there are, there's little bits and pieces on both sides um, that when brought together, I mean, the, it's, <laughs> the world is your limit, um, and I, I have really enjoyed getting to work with 
shaft of, you know, male-dominated environments where it is, you know, they, they'll think and you're trained and that's what your expertise is in. Um, but to have those folks come back and say, well, you challenged me, you made me more self-aware by being in the room. Um, or that question you asked really made me think about something um, because I do. I think that we just naturally think and process information, you know, differently as, as humans. I love that you say that teams are stronger with both sides, both perspectives represented equally. And we're running out of time here, but I'm really curious because I, I think maybe from personal experience, maybe not, uh, men are often just oblivious to what we're doing and we don't notice where we could be better allies for women. So what was one piece of advice you would give men to be better allies, to allow women to uh, bring their unique strengths to the table instead of maybe suppressing them unwittingly. So I've I've been I've had the opportunity to experience this, and I would say, hands down, the best thing that a a male leader or a male coworker can do is support and validate and introduce um, a woman who's got the expertise. So. You might have the information, but if she's more of the expertise or she's the one that's been leading something, you don't need to put words in her mouth. Um, just saying, hey, this is, you know, Michelle, and she's the expert on so-and-so, so I'm going to let her share that. A, a male in a um, prominent position or somebody that respects, as soon as he backs and introduces or supports in a very public forum, um, that woman's perspective or her presentation of whatever it might be, um, that woman's automatically getting more credibility. And even if she has credibility, it's now bolstering it. Um, and it is awesome to watch that, and it's awesome to watch the humility that some the strongest men leaders, um, the strongest male leaders, absolutely have no problem doing that because they know that by supporting uh, their, their, like I said, whether it's their coworker or their subordinate, um, they're now showing that they have uh, what it takes to be a great leader too, and people will emulate that. So, yep, just supporting and letting women speak for themselves is, is probably the number one advice I would give. That, that's great advice. No preamble, just introduce and validate uh, and let the expert take over. Uh, Justine, just in case our listeners want to reach out to you after the show, what's the best way to contact you? So I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty active there. I would love to hear from everybody. I've had a chance to interact with so many different folks, whether it's in the adventure um, side of things night where we've, you know, we've had a chance to get outside and do things or the corporate world or questions about the military and how I've integrated it. Um, I'm just at my name, so Justine Whipple on LinkedIn. Um, like I said, anybody that sends me a message, I love to chat with folks and learn more about uh, what, what's on their minds. Fantastic. And I, I know you as a strong woman mentor for a lot of people I know personally. So don't hesitate to create that connection. We will put the link on the episode page as well. Justine, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate you sharing your insights and experience and some really actionable uh, tips that people can take away. Thank you so much, Knight. I really appreciate the opportunity today. Okay, that's all for our show today. Thank you again, Justine, for being our guest. And thank you to all our listeners around the world. 
Remember, you can always tune into Women Lead Radio shows Mondays at 9 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It has been my pleasure to be your host today. I hope this episode inspires you to keep exploring, pushing your boundaries, and leading on the edge. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 